fear never served me or anybody around me. And I just realized that I need to overcome the fears that I had grown up with, that had been so instilled in me, and use that as fuel to live a better life, to live an impactful life. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneur's. This is the show where I interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers and learn their origin stories. I am always so inspired after these interviews and my favorite thing is getting to know our neighbors better. So I hope you guys are enjoying that too. All right, now hold on to your seat today because my guest has such an amazing story. You do not want to miss a second. And I want to welcome Christine Gardner of Teton Smart Security and Envision Your Purpose to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Christine. I am happy to have you. You have you definitely have a great story, and I'm excited to learn more about you and your businesses. Thank you. So tell us about tell us about Teton Smart Security, how it came to be. I'm assuming it's a security company, or tell us. Yes. So we are a commercial security company. So we specialize in commercial security systems like fire alarms surveillance systems, access control, intrusion systems. Um, but we started in 2011, and this was after um, Sean, my husband, had been in the um, like the door-knocking industry for quite a long time, and he was a technician, and then he became a regional manager, and he recruited and trained and things like that. And it was a great career for a while, And um, but, you know, the, the industry became unsavory over time because of a lot of competition and, and some unsavory sales tactics. And that's kind of the way that it was. People were going door to door selling security systems at the time. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was having to really kind of battle with some of these managers when they said, hey, you know, I don't care if this person doesn't understand that they're signing a, you know, an agreement um, they said, you know, they understand that the system's free, but, you know, the monthly monitoring isn't. And I don't care if they ha they're elderly and they don't understand, or I don't care if they have mental disabilities and they don't understand. Your job is not to question the sale. Your job is to install the system. Well, that's a problem, yeah. Yes. That, I'm sure that bothered his um, oh. sense of uh, moral decency. Yes, yeah. and pride in his job. And so, like, you know, we would do that for the whole summer, and he'd be like, Christine, I just... I don't feel good about this anymore. I just I want to start our own local security company where people trust and respect us and will refer us to their friends and their family. A company where we can actually work with like contractors in the area and, you know, and and be able to provide a great service to the community. And um I always kind of chuckled a little bit when he would describe his dream and I'd just be like Honey, that sounds really great, but you know, I need some stability. We have <laughs> bills know? to pay. That's right. <laughs> and I I didn't have that entrepreneurial spirit. And so I was like, honey, you know, I understand you want to end your contract. Like I'm completely supportive of this because I don't want you to do anything that you don't feel good about. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, how about you go back to school 
and get your degree in um, electrical engineering like you've, you've wanted and I'm going to go back to work for AT&T and I'm going to put you through school. And did you guys have a family at this time? No, no, but we were planning on having a family because we had been married at that time for about four and a half, five years. Uh -huh. And so, you know, it was it was that time yeah. when I wanted yeah. to um, to start a family. Yeah. Anyway, so when I went back to AT&T, um, a few months in, actually, I had a baby and I my whole world changed, you know, like I wanted so much to be present for my baby and it seriously broke my heart when I had dropped him off to my sister-in-law although she was an amazing second mother to yeah, him I was yeah. like I want to be there you know I want to nurse him I want to love him I want to watch him grow and and with my my schedule with AT&T because I had very low seniority I had just so little flexibility in my schedule and so um, I I mean, I didn't get to see Sean very much either. And I finally got to this point where I was like, you know what, honey, if you want to start a local security company, I was like, the time is now because I am ready. <laughs> I am ready uh, the to take that is risk. Enough that yes, <laughs> like I need more time freedom, you know? And so, yeah, that's when um, he went all in with Teton Smart Security. And so then, then he stopped school? He was in school at this time? Yeah. yeah. Dropped out of he school? dropped out of school. Said, I'm going to be a businessman. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's a big risk. It was a huge risk. Yeah. For sure. And so you started Teton Smart Security. Now, you said that it's commercial, but we I know that we're clients of yours and we are residential. Residential, yeah. yes. So we started in the residential realm because that's exactly what we knew. Uh-huh. Right? So kind of the, the smaller... Um, oftentimes wireless security systems and um, we'd work with builders and do hardwired systems but over time I mean Sean was like Christine we can do more yeah we can yeah, be yeah. more okay and so we so now you're focusing on commercial on commercial okay. yes yeah, so. but you still have us little residential oh clients. absolutely we still <laughs> want to service all of our residential clients and yeah. we'd love to continue to help any new residential clients but our true focus is on commercial got it got yeah. it got it so talk to me a little bit about that going into business with your husband mm. um, was it an instant <laughs> success oh my goodness yeah, I wish right <laughs> I wish um, the the interesting thing is, you know, Sean was so great at the technical and, you know, being able to install and program and service and things like that. And I jumped in once the business got some traction, you know, a couple months after he um, started the business and I started doing sales and doing some marketing. And what I what we had found is that although like I was really great at sales and marketing and he was really great at installing, we had no prior business experience. Right. right. I mean, it's a whole nother world right. having to take care of, you know, AP and AR and all the financials and making sure that, you know, you have a system that works for you. So you're not like a slave to your business. Right. But, like we seriously found that the life like the business took a life of its own, took mm -hmm. on this huge, it just became this, it was amazing to experience it, but it was also really, truly terrifying because we just didn't have the business knowledge that we needed. So you were getting the customers, you you had the business coming in. Yeah. It was then processed within your own business yes. that you're like, we don't know how to do this. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's totally. scary. I think that happens to a lot of people who are really good 
I can speak in the auto mechanics world. There are a lot mm -hmm. of mechanics that want to have their own shop. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a great plan, but it isn't just about repairing cars. Yes. And so thankfully there's so many resources out there and, mm -hmm. and hopefully you can tell us about some that you guys took advantage of. But um, that's a frightening thing when that reality sets in. So I can appreciate where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, thank you, yes. Yes, that was the school of hard knocks. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> Seriously, yes. the cost of tuition. <laughs> yeah. So um, we had, you know, three years in, we literally thought we would break even within a year. You yeah, know? sure. <laughs> three years later and we're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And um, we had a sit down with our, our accountant and he said, you know what, guys, I've been looking at your books and my gosh, you know, like this you're in trouble. Yeah. We're, well, it just wasn't looking good. Like, like we weren't in the hole, but we weren't making like hardly any money, you know? And he was like, wow, you guys are talented people. You know, I know kind of what you guys were making prior to starting Teton Smart Security. And what I'm seeing is you are spending so much more time than what a normal person would at work, you know, which is normal 40 hours a week. I mean, I wish I was only working 40 hours. Yeah, you know? right. And he goes, you guys are making a lot more money working for well, other people. Yeah, maybe you should do that, right? Yes. Go back to work and for somebody so else. And so he's like, you have two choices right now. Like, either you guys go and find other jobs, regular, normal jobs, because you'll have the time freedom that you were looking for and make more money. Yeah. Benefits, all of those other yes, things. Yeah, of course. And then number two, or number two, you could try to figure out how to make this successful and, you know, profitable. And, like, you need to do it, like, now. Hmm. So do, do yeah. you think you didn't know that before you went and talked to him, or did you guys kind of have a feel? Well, we had a feeling, for yeah. sure, because uh -huh. we had been in high stress mode. I yeah, mean, right. so Just hard. Just yourself. Yes, so hard just to make sure that you know, all the bills were getting paid and we could get more inventory and, you know, and, and we had, a, we had a small amount of employees, but still, you know, like, I'm really proud to say we've never, ever missed payroll, but I mean, but you were sweating but it was a few scary. Times. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've missed paying ourselves. That's <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. so yeah, we had an idea, but it was eye opening to have a professional say, you know what, guys, it's not working the way you thought it would. Yeah. So. And what was it doing to your marriage? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, prior to starting the business, it was, it was awesome. You know, we just, we'd go on dates together. We'd hold hands. We'd watch movies. We'd laugh. We'd play. And then once the business took over, it was like, you know, we're working six days a week and we're doing everything to try our best to, pay the bills and service our clients and try to figure out how to grow this business. And pretty soon we were like business partners yeah, right. and like roommates. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting across the table from Sean, my husband, when our CPA told us that, you know, Hey, either go get jobs or, and, you know, and close up shop or, you know, figure out how to make this successful. And I thought, well, number one, we were so invested in our clients, yeah, yeah. you know, that it was like, no, we don't, we don't want to let them down. You know, we don't want that. And then also we had put like three years of blood, sweat and tears together on this. And I just looked at him and I just thought, there's no way that our marriage could survive this business failure. Mm -hmm. Like, 
we've got to figure out what to do, you know, and but I, I seriously at the moment didn't know how. Yeah, right, because I think you're not alone. There are people that are in this boat trying to do the very best that they can. And that's all they know. You know, where do you go for resources? Where did you go for resources? Clearly, <laughs> you guys made it. I mean, yes. you're still married and you have a successful <laughs> business. So there's a good part of this story. Yeah, thank you. So we, um, I, I got heavily involved in the Chamber of Commerce, actually. And I went to like one of their business seminars where they had these breakout sessions. And I went to a breakout session that talked about, you know, like, running your business effectively, something to that effect. And there was a gentleman there, his name is David Nowak, and he works for um, the SBDC, and which is a small business development center. And I sat there for an hour and my jaw was like on the ground. I was so shocked that, you know, running a business could be, could be so streamlined and so, in a way, so simple. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh -huh. But it definitely takes a lot of work to get it to that point where it's where it's like operating like it should. Yeah, but and he was saying all the things that you needed to hear. Yes, You're like, what? I was like, There's oh answers? my gosh. <laughs> and then he said, if you need help, I, you know, I basically am hired by the government to help small businesses. And so- So it didn't cost you anything? No. What? I know, right? Wow. I highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah, right. I mean, it was, it was as if the heavens opened up yeah, and said, right. Christine, Here's your answer. Exactly. Uh -huh. It was incredible. So as soon as he finished his class, I like beelined it for him. And I said, David, I'm Christine. I'm your client. <laughs> and I need help. And please help me. And so we started meeting on a regular basis, both Sean and I with David. And he just taught us some amazing principles about, you know, number one, the number one thing that he really taught us was there's a huge difference between working on the business versus working in the business. And for Sean and I, we had, we did have an abundance of clients coming in and also didn't have a great system to like help it flow properly Yeah. to where like it just, we were not working on the systems of the business. Yeah, you to were make just too busy flow. putting out fires every exactly. single day. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yes. That's how it felt. Uh -huh. And so anyways, that was the number one thing that he taught us. And he was just like, you guys need to to make the time, carve out the time to work on the systems in your business. Mm -hmm. Because then when new clients come, you're thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm grateful to help these clients and I can put them through a great process that is going to like just blow their socks off, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. and that's Instead exactly of dreading, oh no, I have oh another gosh, client, oh what no, am I gonna no, do? No, yes, yeah. I have to put them online and then I gotta yeah. invoice them and then I gotta make sure that this, that, and the other is happening yeah. and it's just like, yeah. Well, I think what you're saying resonates. I'm sure people listening to this are like, oh my gosh, I remember feeling this. <laughs> I, I can resonate with this. As um, Oswald Service has grown, we were this little two-bay service station, and now we have two six-bay shops. You run those very, very differently than you do a little two-bay yes. service station. And mm -hmm. so a lot of, that you're saying resonates with me. And we hired a coach which was mm -hmm. not free, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cost us a lot of money. So I'm grateful to know that there's resources out there. Yes, mm -hmm. there's limited, because there's yeah, not yeah. as many, there's not as many Davids as there should be, yeah, unfortunately. Right. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, invaluable resource. So once he helped you with the business then, did that help repair your marriage? Like, did you guys then were like, oh wait, I kind of like you. <laughs> it took a while, yeah. I'll be honest, it yeah. took a while. But, you know, David 
his purpose in his business in in coaching is to save marriages yeah and that just sounds i know what, what? like you're, not, a you're a business person. coach but you're mm -hmm. trying to save marriages he's not a he's not a marriage counselor right but he actually owned a business um over 20 years ago where it was a service business similar to ours and um Basically, it took on a life of its own, and he became a stranger to his wife. And he had been through a lot of the same things that Sean and I were going through, like just a lot of financial stress and a lot of stress of how do we do this and, and, and not seeing each other very much. Yeah. And just, just a huge amount of stress, and he, and he had gone through that. And he wasn't able to save his marriage, mm. his, his wife you know, ended it. But because of the pain that he went through, he was like, wow, like I don't ever want another person to go through this. That brings a lot of hope, I'm sure, to people who mm -hmm. are in business together. I think it's a unique couple that can get into business together and never have any issues. You know, oh. it's just... <laughs> it, That's fairy tale. Yeah, it is Please. fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reality is you've got to work on this thing every day, your business and your marriage. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that and being willing to share that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, like I said, I think a lot of us can resonate with your story. Thank you. So, Teton Smart Security is doing well? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's things turned around. So and how so long grateful. have you guys been in business? So, we've been in business since 2011. Okay. So, it's been... Nine it's years? It's been almost nine years. Yeah? Yes. Great. Yeah, thank you. Well, through that journey, though, now you have started a second business called Envision Your Purpose. Yep. All right, so you said you weren't an entrepreneur. It, things have changed in your brain, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so talk yes. to us about what, what that is. What is that business? So Envision Your Purpose is a purpose-driven vision board workshop. Okay. So it's where I help guide people as a vision board coach to discover who they are, where they are in their life, to identify their purpose in their life, to identify their worthy goals that's gonna create the biggest ripples in their life, then to align that with their purpose so that their goals have power and that they are empowered to achieve those goals. And then we map out a plan to live that purpose. And we do all that while we're creating the vision board. So And getting to know women there. I Full disclosure, I just attended this workshop on Saturday, so I got to experience this myself. And I'll tell you one of the things, um, you know, going in, I was a little, you asked at the at the retreat, you know, have any of you, do you, any of you think that vision boards are woo-woo-y or whatever you said? And I, <laughs> I didn't raise my hand, but yeah, that's actually how my um, perception of it is. It's like, why do you have to do a board that has pictures on it that goes along with your goals? Um, but I can tell you there's a lot of power in figuring out that process, putting it where I can envision it in a visual place every day and really be intentional mm -hmm. about looking at each of those things and figuring out how I'm going to plan to work towards those. Mm -hmm. So good job. You've recruited Thank you. me. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you gotten that kind of feedback from people that they're like, why do you need a vision board? Oh, absolutely. I, I used to be a skeptic. Yeah. I mean, I think, was it back in like 2006 or something when that that show, what was it? Um, golly gee, The Secret, yeah. the book. Uh -huh. Then there was like that video on The Secret. Right. Well, 
my husband and I watched it together and and I remember a guy saying, hey, you know, I, I looked in this magazine and I saw this incredible mansion and I said, you know what, I'm going to buy that one day. Like that, I want that to be my house. And then he put that, like he moved. And then when he was unboxing um, the picture, he was like, oh my gosh, this is the exact house. Like I bought that house. No way. Right? And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a crock of you know, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but that's exactly how I felt. Right. I was like, please, you know, um, and, and maybe that's, that's how it happened for him. And, and I'm super grateful, but I also at the same time don't want people to think that just because they see something in a magazine and they rip it out and they like, for yeah, that moment, they happen. intentionally say, I'm going to have that or I'm going to be that. Yeah. It's not going to happen unless you work for it. Right. You know, that's a freaking pipe dream right there. Right. So um, with this vision board, my vision boards that I help people create, it's an empowerment tool that people use on a daily basis yeah. to visualize what their life is going to look like when they achieve the goal. Yeah, yeah. So when they're looking at it, they're visualizing and they're saying, you know, what am I going to do today? Like a to micro goal there. that's going to help me get closer to it. It's yeah. not, hey, let's... Let's put this vision board together and let's put it in the closet and, and hopefully down the road, you're going to look at it again and it's going to all manifest. It's like, oh no, please. So yeah, it's anyways. a good process. Yeah. What got you started in that? Like, why was that? A, why did you want to make a business? Because I imagine attending one of the things, doing it yourself, but to yeah. take that to the next level and wanting to do it as a business, what, what was the kick? Yeah. So at the time when our, um, our accountant told us that, hey, you know, you guys gotta find something different or, you know, turn this around. I, I didn't know how. I had been vision boarding for the last three years. Oh, you had? Yeah, I had, but my vision boards didn't really have a lot of purpose to them. It was kind of like, hey, this is something that I think I'd like to do, or this is something I think I'd like to have, but they didn't really have a lot of power to them. And, I, and one of the things on my vision board was to have a successful business you know, but I truly didn't know the purpose behind why it is that I want to have this successful business, right? And so I, after that conversation, I went home and I was like, I need to be really clear on why I want this to be successful. Yeah. And as I was pondering that, I thought right now, the reason is I want to save my marriage. You know, I need to turn this around because our marriage is not going to last and be able to endure through all of that stress, all the additional stress. Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to, you know, that my purpose is to save my marriage and then how I'm going to do it. Right. And at the time I hadn't met David at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was very soon afterwards. It was like, like I said, like the heavens opened up. Yeah, right? right. And, um, and I met David and it was like, oh my gosh, okay, this, this is how I'm going to become better so that I can be what I need to be, learn what I need to learn in order to make this successful. Mm -hmm. So anyways, so that's how the, the vision boarding really became embedded in my heart is just knowing that when you have a goal that you believe so strongly in and behind that goal is a purpose that is so powerful, 
you're going to achieve it. It's just about the time, you know. So, so I time get, investing. I get how it motivated you, but how did you do? What was the trigger to turn that into a business yourself? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question. In 2018, I had to really think about what was it in 2018 that helped me to achieve my goals because we achieved the revenue goal for that year, and. Um, in 2018, I was heavily involved in Days for Girls International, mm -hmm. which is an organization that provides um, hygiene kits to girls in third world countries that typically wouldn't be able to go to school because, you know, if they don't have the proper hygiene kit or you know, they solutions, they have to sit at yeah, home right. for days. And then they miss so much school that they can't even graduate. And then they typically like get married to an older man down the street at a very young age, like becoming his 10th wife or whatever the case might be. And, and then it continues that cycle of poverty. Yeah. And so I was so like, just my heart, my soul just was so entrenched in it. I loved it so very much that when I looked at my vision board, that was one of my six goals that year. And so it fueled me. Was to make the hygiene kits. Well, it, yes, uh -huh. and, and to provide the hygiene kits okay, for Days for Girls uh -huh. International so that they could go distribute them. And, um, and so that really fueled me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, there's a purpose behind me wanting to make this money because then I can provide these kits to these girls and it makes such a ma major difference. I mean, if you think about you know, helping to end the cycle of poverty. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Right. It's such a really simple thing. Exactly. That's something that everybody should deserve to have. Yeah. And so I thought, wow, okay, like I need to have a deeper purpose. And my purpose in reaching this huge revenue goal is so that I can give more. I just <laughs> want to do what I want to do. I just want to be able to give <laughs> to this organization as much or as little as I want. Yeah. And in order for me to do that, one of the ways to do that is to run my own business. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and that sounds kind of, I don't know. I don't know how I think that it sounds, sounds you know what? empowering. That, that was my it's truth. Good. Yeah. That was my truth. It's a great and thing. And so that was like my ultimate first thing. I was like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my own thing. But then I thought, what is it that I love to do, right? Like, what is it that I would just lose sleep over and just empowers me so deeply? And it was vision boarding. Yeah, it was, I was great. literally creating the vision board thinking, what is it that I'm going to do? And it was, it was starting the vision board workshop. And, and honestly, I had actually had the idea back in 2018, December of 2018, but it was this kind of this huge audacious goal at the time that I was like, I have a newborn baby and oh, I have so this much to do to put this together. And I have this huge revenue goal and I've, you know, I've got a growing team. I don't know if this is the year to do that. And then um, in December of 2019, I was, I was serving with a, um, a group of women who were in like their 60s and 70s. We were, we were making dinner um, for a group of ladies and um, nonprofit organization, and they were serving with me all day. And they were just having conversations about, you know, I don't even know what my purpose is. Like my kids are grown up, I hardly see my grandkids and I don't work. And they were just like putting themselves down and I just wanted to like, squeeze them and say, you know what? You have a purpose. You you're have living. So much. Yeah, you're living right. your purpose. You're right. serving. You're giving. Yeah. Like give yourself Your kids don't have to be your purpose. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and give yourself credit for what you're doing. It made me so sad. Yeah. It made me so sad. But it also lit a fire in me that was like, oh my gosh. Like I can help. I can help because I know that when you know your purpose you can brighter shine your light. Yeah, absolutely. 
And when you give yourself credit for the things you're already doing, it's like it fuels you to be more, to do more. And so I, I went home that night <laughs> and I looked at Sean and I had told him about this experience that I had. And I was like, Sean, I like, have to do this. I, I was like, I, I, I'm not going to wait on my dreams for another minute. And then he looked at me and he goes, well, follow your dream. <laughs> exactly like you are and I was like you are the worst cheerleader I was like what where did that come from but he knew he was supposed to say that yes, so that's and how you he got was like well Christine you just talk about this so much that I don't know what else to say yeah right just do it and then I was like oh my gosh you are right I am one of those people that talk about their dreams and don't make it come true I was like I'm going to do this. You're right. I'm going to do this. So I ran to Barnes and Noble. I got this book called Launch Your Business in Six Weeks, and I launched it in six weeks. Yeah. Great job. So, Way to yeah. go. Thank you. So tell, tell the listeners exactly what it is. It's a full day workshop that you yes. go to. Yeah. So, oh, I'm in love. I seriously am so in love. Um, so what this is, is it's a, it's a nine to five course. And of course we take breaks and lunch and things like that. Um, but when you come, we have um, an awesome agenda, and you have this beautiful workbook that you're working with. And um, we start with I am statements, with who you are. And that might sound really, really basic, but oftentimes when you ask somebody, like, hey. They won't say what they, yeah. No. They're and, not going to praise themselves. Yes, and mm -hmm. they're never going to own their strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if you can like own and accept who you are, like you can be this, this, this amazing power of good. Well, there's the so world. much work just to do in, in grasping that. And that, you know, that's certainly what I saw at the workshop. We, we started there and ended with this beautiful um, vision board. And so I highly recommend you checking it out. And uh, if that seems like something that it would be right for you, listener, uh, we'll make sure to put some links in the show notes on the website so that you can find out more about the the workshops Thank you. i want to talk to you a little bit about how you kind of came to be where you're at when you were a child were your ch were your parents entrepreneurs was there things that shaped you from your childhood to be the person that you are today do you feel like oh absolutely i mean i'm totally a product of of my upbringing for sure and I understand that your parents are Vietnamese refugees yeah, refugees so from yes. the Vietnam War mm -hmm. they left yes. they escaped. got on this that's a better word escaped they escaped got on this 25-foot boat with 112 people yeah tell the story so um, this was this actually happened after the end of the Vietnam War but there was just so much deprivation and it was it was a really sad, sad time for Vietnam. Yeah. And um, a lot of people were, were fleeing and trying to escape in the middle of the night. And, and thinking they were coming to America. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was the, <laughs> the mean, land of milk and honey. This is not right? a little tiny is, boat ride. This no, is across for real. Yes. the ocean. Yes. yes. Yeah. So my dad's family actually were fishermen. So they owned, you know, this 25-foot boat, which is a really big boat in Vietnam. And um, so it, it had two stories. Okay. And um, in the middle of the night, they escaped with these 112 people. Wow. And they had just enough food because they didn't, couldn't carry very much because they were hiding it in their shirts and their pants and, you know, and their, you know, the pant legs, just everywhere that they could find it, find a spot for the food. 
um, without being seen. And wow. so um, they had about three to four days of food and they had about that much in fuel as well. And so, and my dad had a compass and he was a great fisherman and so he knew how to navigate the sea, but within just a few days, the compass broke. Oh no. And so my mom at the time, she was, when she got on the boat, she was about eight and a half months pregnant. Oh my goodness. Yes. So here she is just about ready to give birth. Yes. What's the trip like? Like how long should that take to get to the United States? Well, it <laughs> all goes it's well, right? Three days. They never got to talk to somebody who actually ever made it to America. They were just guessing. It was just like hearsay. You okay. know, it was kind of like they would talk to their neighbors and they said, oh, you know, my daughter finally made it. You know, yeah, yeah, hushed yeah. voices. My, my daughter finally made it. And they're like, oh, how long did it take her? You know, like, yeah. oh, yeah. like somewhere between like three and four or five days, you know. Okay. Um, and so they were like, so they were okay, thinking this, they'd be this, okay. This is going to be enough. Like, we're going to, we're going to navigate our way. We're going to make it there. And so um, it was like day 14. And they had been, they had run out of fuel days before. They had run out of food way before that. And so the tide was just taking them wherever. Yep, exactly. Oh, they were just word. literally floating. At oh, sea. my word. And every time they saw a boat, because they'd see American boats and ships, and they would, you know, try to flag them try down. Try to flag them down. But there, at the time, there were so many pirates that they couldn't, nobody would ever stop to save somebody. Wow. And so on day 14, they actually looked up. And they could see land. They and made they it. were like, oh my gosh, praise the Lord. Yeah, you right. Know? And then they get closer to land and they're expecting to see Americans, like white skinned folks. Yes. And they're like, oh my gosh, they're not white. Where you know? were they? And they also were holding rifles. All these people were like lined up on on the beach, just waiting Ready for to their take rivals this. Yeah. with their rifles. And they had landed in Malaysia. Oh, which is not it's, very far. No, it's not very far at all. Oh, my gosh. And um, they were devastated. Oh, I and bet they were. the Malaysians couldn't speak. And were they starving? Like, they oh were my gosh, probably they in were, terrible. They were starving. My mom said for the last seven days, she had one smidgen of a tangerine she put under her tongue, and she had begged a little, like, three-year-old boy for that because he was eating it, and it was, like, the last of his food. But she thought, do I even ask? For wow. this. And she said the and only reason she is, why she asked is because she knew she so had a pregnant. baby. Oh my gosh. And she said that was like, it was just like almost like her death wish. You know, wow. like, let me just feed my baby this last oh morsel before we go. And she actually made it. And it is a little miracle. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Like, yeah, that's just a serious a miracle. miracle. So they get on the island, and the Malaysians don't speak Vietnamese. The Vietnamese don't speak Malaysian. And so, um, they just took them and they, they took them to jail. They took them all to, except for my mom. They put her right into the hospital because she was going into labor. Well, I imagine, man. It was insane. And because they didn't speak her language, um, this is terrible, but they didn't speak her language and they didn't really care about her because they just thought, oh, she's just, you know, she's this just refugee. a pirate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. actually didn't even know she was re like escaping from an island. She didn't know, they didn't know that she was escaping from Vietnam. They just, they just thought, hey, we see people like this all the time, you know, landing on our island and we're not going to spend any more money than we have to. And we don't even know if she's allergic to anything because we can't speak to her. So they gave her a C-section without any medication. No way. And that was her first <gasps> child when she was 18. Oh my gosh. Yes. The fact she survived that is, in a, is a miracle in and of itself. Just incredible. Did the baby survive? Oh yeah. And so this is, yes. how many children? My, my, that's my oldest brother. Oh wow. And he is like, he's, he's 40, 42. Wow. That's 42. amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Right? Oh my gosh. I know. So Your she's mother. such a survivor and I, yeah, her fight and her resilience. 
you know. So clearly, you, they eventually made it to the United States. They did. Yeah, they they lived in a vet refugee camp for over a year, and then they had a family in in Malaysia. In Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And then um, then she had a family, like a, her uncle who lived in New York City, who um, well Washington D.C. Actually, I'm sorry, Washington D.C. and who sponsored her. So he became financially, he said, you know, I'll become financially responsible for you. I'm just going to fly you over here and help you get a job. And, you know, so Red Cross actually flew her and my dad and, the, and my, oh, they kept my brother. The, they kept your family together. Yes. Uh -huh. And yeah. then flew them over. Hmm. Yep. Wow. What a story. Yeah. Incredible. So then you grew up originally, you were from Oregon? Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So, uh -huh. so they had other family that had migrated all the way to Portland, Oregon. Um, there's a lot of Asians like on the west coast okay and so they're like hey let's let's go there and so they moved to portland oregon and that's where i was born yeah in portland oregon that's awesome and so how many siblings are there so there's total. a total of six of us so again a miracle i'm having been a nurse and hearing this story <laughs> having natural birth or whatever even i don't know she had subsequent c-sections but i'm imagine to even have any other children after that experience is a miracle. Mortifying. So too. we're glad yeah, that you're here. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, so how'd you end up in Idaho? When I was eight years old, my mom was introduced to this group who believed that the world was coming to an end and it was going to be really soon. And they believed that everybody who lived on the West Coast was going to, like the earthquake was going to happen and they were going to fall into the ocean. And if you wanted to live and if you wanted to save your family, you needed to get up and go. And so I distinctly remember the day my mom came home from work and she said to my dad, we got to go. We got to save our family. We have to go. Yeah. Yep. And he didn't believe a word of it. And he said, no, this, no. You, no, there's no way. Mm -hmm. And I just remember the turmoil that happened in our family. And my mom said, you know what? Whether or not you're coming, I'm leaving and I'm taking the kids. Mm. Well, she probably cared so much about you guys. Yes. She didn't. Yeah. And right. she's like, I have to save our kids. And so she bought this crappy little van <laughs> and stuffed it with a couple of mattresses and stuffed us five out of the six kids because my oldest brother would not go. And at the time, you know, he was a teenager and, you know, no was no for him. Yeah, right. And, um, and then we, we followed this group to Pocatello, Idaho. And did you know anything about Pocatello? No, it was the craziest thing. <laughs> it was like, it was I east remember of you and you <laughs> didn't know where you were headed, huh? Yeah, it's, it's like an 11, 13 hour drive, but yeah. I remember like falling asleep on the on the mattress on the back of the van and then you know Oregon's like really lush and beautiful and green and then I woke up to a bunch of sagebrush and I was like my gosh <laughs> how could this be this the, is promised not the promised land, land. <laughs> you know like what are you talking about and I was eight at the time but I was like wowzers yeah right so it kind of uprooted your life a lot yeah and I it happened so quickly I had a my cousin who I grew up with, her and I were born just a couple months apart and we were like inseparable. We were like white on rice, you know? I saw her every Sunday because we would go to catechism together and um, I never got to say goodbye to her. Oh my goodness. That's how wow. quickly it happened. Wow. And I just, yeah. You just disappeared in the night. Yeah, literally. So, 
understanding that, I imagine that living as if the world is going to end, mm -hmm. it, not, not many of us can relate to that necessarily. So did that, were there things that happened in your family that caused you to have to do things differently? Because your friends probably all believed that they had a future. And here you are thinking, I know, I think, I mean, maybe you didn't believe all of this, but your mother mm. certainly had this belief that it, did she have a date? Did you, did they know oh. when this was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, th there were different dates for sure. There was like one date, you know, it was like, I remember it being like August of, was it like 1990, like four or something. And I remember even my dad saying, hey, you know, in the scriptures it says, you know, you'll never know yeah, the time right. or the date that yeah, God will right. come. <laughs> right. And then my mom was like, well, these people know, you know, uh -huh, <laughs> right. like, trust me. And we're going to follow this. And then, you know, August came and gone. And then they'd say, oh, it's because we prayed so hard that, you know, God has saved us. And he's, it's also a test to see if we're going to be diligent and following sure. his word. Sure. And so, you know, that happened over and over again. So what does that do to you as a kid when you think that this is going to oh be gosh, the end? Oh my gosh, I was just like... Well, I was always, I lived in fear all the time. Sure. You know, and we lived in extreme poverty because everything that my mom had, every dime that she got, she would put towards canned foods. Right, because she was preparing. She, was, she wanted to yes, save you guys. Yes, and yeah. like, we didn't sleep on beds. Like, we, we my, my mom would have, like, my mom would build these beds out of, like, t um, plywood. And they'd be just like, this huge box and it'd be filled with food storage underneath. And then she'd put a mattress on top. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. and we would just lay on top of that mattress. Sure. And that was our life. Yeah. Like everything revolved around storing food and supplies. Yeah. So I imagine this affected you, you know, as you were growing up and people were planning on going to college and getting married and do all that kind of stuff. Did you see that that would be for you? Would that be in your life? See, and you know what? My mom always told me like, there's no reason to plan like don't waste your time or your mental energy planning because the world's going to come to an end and you're going to die and i'm going to die and you know it's just a matter of time so you know you're never going to go to college you're probably never going to graduate from high school you're never going to have kids you're never going to get married like so don't worry about any of those things because god has a plan for you and it's that it, that plan is to go back to heaven with him after doomsday. Well, clearly you have had a change in your mindset because you're teaching vision boards, for goodness sake. Yes. There has to be some future in order to do yes. a vision board. So what was it then that changed your perspective that you were able to say, I respect you, Mom, for your beliefs, but I, I don't necessarily agree with them, and do your own thing? Because that had to be pretty brave. Oh, yeah, it was very, very difficult to break away from what I was raised in. Yeah. But I do remember, you know, being like a, a junior and senior in high school and all my friends are, you know, talking about where they're gonna go to college and things like that. And every time I brought up college, my mom's like, trust me, when I tell you, you're not gonna live th through this time. So, but I was thinking, my gosh, you've told me this 10 years ago. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, so, yeah. I was thinking, starting to lose your credibility yes, a little bit. I can't here. live this life, yeah. mom. You know, and I love you so much, but yeah, yeah. it's like I have got to plan for my future. Even if, even if I did die tomorrow, yeah. I'm gonna plan. I'm gonna plan it out. 
Yeah. As if I'm going to live. Does she still live this way? Yes. Yeah. So does she worry about you all the time? Like that you, you aren't? That this yes. is not something that's so, I imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. It's hard for Do you her still have a relationship? Oh, yeah. We, and that's great. We've become really close. I mean, she, she disowned me for five years uh-huh. where we had absolutely no contact. She didn't know where I lived. You know, she knew nothing about It was probably easier for her to not have to worry about you. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> hope so in certain ways. Yeah. But I know it was, it was a really dark time in both of our lives. Yeah. That's the truth. But, um, yeah, I just, like going back to the, you know, the school thing, I think that's really where I made my embark on my own journey as I remember bringing the FAFSA paperwork home yeah. because I needed her help to f- fill in some of this paperwork. Right. And she looked at it and she's like, how many times have I told you? Like, this is such a waste of time. And I said, you know what, mom? Like, I can't live like this. I don't want to live like this. And maybe I will die. Maybe you're right. But can we at least just plan? And if in the event that we don't die, that I can at least go to college. And so she very reluctantly filled out the form with me. But I just felt like that was my... That was your turning point. That was my turning point in my mm-hmm. life. Like, I'm going to continue to plan for my future no matter what. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, it's quite the story of overcoming. I mean, because I imagine, you know, making different decisions than our parents make is always a very frightening, especially when you're young. That's a really frightening thing because that's your, the people who you love, the, your support system, the people that are around you. So for anybody who makes a decision that is completely contrary to that, Bravo. Like that is, that takes some guts, my friend. Thank so you. So good job. So what did you learn? Like when you look back on that, are you grateful for that time? Do you wish it was different? You know, it's, it's twofold, you know, because I can't change it now. So. Yeah, you can't take it back. Huh? There's, yeah, there's nothing that I can change from the past. So I can't really, I can't just. I can't be bitter. Yeah. Right. I've just I've chosen not to be bitter about the way that I was raised. But I am going to take some real life lessons from the way that I was raised to know that fear never served me. And fear never served any of those people in the group or anybody around me. And I just realized that I need to overcome the fears that I had grown up with that I had in that had been so instilled in me and use that as my, the fuel to live a better life, to live an impactful life where come what may, you know? Yeah, if the end like, of the world is tomorrow, Seriously, then it come is. what may, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna live the best life that I can. Yeah, that's... That's awesome. Yeah. Um, not many people can probably relate to the details of that. So thank mm. you so much for You're sharing welcome. what I think that we can completely learn from that is that we all have our stuff, especially from childhood. We all have our stuff. Some of our stories are harder than others, but it should not be what structures us and shapes us for our future because it re- remains our choice mm-hmm. to be able to be impactful and to live a life of purpose. So yes, awesome. Thank you. Um, all right. So I heard a rumor that you have an entrepreneurial son. 
So is this kind of going out into the family now? Yes, he's so awesome. His name's Jonas. We call him Jojo. He's our oldest rice cracker. <laughs> <laughs> I call him a rice cracker because I am Vietnamese in descent and his dad is white, so it's a rice cracker. Um, so sorry if I offend anybody. That's not my intention. But um, my son, when he was when he was five, he dragged out this cardboard box and he started just selling like anything that we had in our pantry <laughs> like cookies we don't need and this <laughs> just yeah just just whatever you know that we had and then just selling like little otter pops and things like that and it would just delight him to the core to see kids riding their bikes past our house and stopping and buying something and um, even on Sunday he'd say mom you know, like, I want to go sell something. And I'd be like, son, we don't do that on Sundays. And, and then he's like, well, how about we just go out and give stuff away? And I said, sure, yeah, absolutely. Because he so, just loved it so yes, much. Yes, it just brought him so much joy. And so we'd give out watermelon or juice or Otter Pops, just whatever. And then for his sixth birthday, that's what he asked for. He said, mom, I'd really love to have a snack shack. Like, <laughs> like you know, just a, a table where yeah. I can actually put more things. And so for his birthday, his dad built him this awesome little um, snack shack on wheels. That's so cool. And then there's this cute little banner and a little roof. And oh, the banner it. says JoJo's Snack Shack. And um, we live in the seriously like the perfect spot for a snack shack uh -huh. because um, the kids, we, we live right behind an elementary school. And um, there's, there's traffic a walkway. coming by. Yes. Oh, yeah. So right. there's a walkway and there's like dozens oh, and perfect. dozens of kids that walk past to get. To to walk home yeah, yeah. or to get to their parents' cars and there's like 20 cars in our cul-de-sac, you know, that's, that's just great. line up. And so like the kids will go ask their parents for 50 cents and then they come and they pick, you know, they pick out a tree. That's and so cool. He loves it. And I was like, well, you know, look at what you guys have started. You've got this <laughs> little you. entrepreneur out there. It is so fun. What advice would you give to people who are looking to go into business for themselves? Is there something, is maybe there's some sage advice that you were given that you still live by? What would you tell people? I'd say, number one, read The E-Myth okay. by Michael Gerber. Okay. That was, yes, that was the book that I should have read from the very beginning. Okay. Then number two, read Start With Why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's just about, hey, what's the purpose of you starting your business? Because... Honest to Betsy, like oftentimes if it's something that you really love to do, sometimes the joy is stolen when you're actually running it as a business. Right. And sometimes, like for me, with my Envision Your Purpose, like running it as a business because I'm funding and I'm fueling a mission that I have to, to help girls continue their education, that fuels me. Yeah. And so you have to recognize, hey, am I doing this because I'm good at something and I think that... It would be a good business, but you have no, you have no business being in business yet, <laughs> you know, like get some education or else you're going to be in a world of hurt <laughs> and stress and yeah. no time freedom, no financial freedom. Um, so yeah, become educated, become more so that you can be a great asset uh, to the people that you serve in your business. Well, we certainly um, have learned from your guys' journey. So thank you for taking that, even thank though it's you. been one of pain. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners before we let you go? Anything <laughs> that we haven't discussed? You know, I just, I would really encourage anybody out there who, who has 
a purpose within them that they want to share with the world or that they want to impact the world in some way, that they become very clear on their goals and how they're going to share that purpose with the world. Because truly, I know that um, really making an impact on the world, the number one step is gaining clarity. And that's what I really love about um, my Envision Your Purpose workshop is that it helps you to dive really deep into what is your purpose? How are you gonna align your goal with your purpose? And then how are you gonna live that purpose? Yeah, and getting that clarity, yes. like you said. Number yeah. one is clarity. So yeah. become clear. If you're truly wanting to make an impact on the world, become clear on what it is and why it is that you wanna do that. Yeah, I love that. I think that really understanding your why is, is the very core of how we should do all of our work. We, we stumble into things sometimes and then mm -hmm. we're like, Wait a minute, why am I even doing this? <laughs> well, Christine, thank you so much for being on the show today. Listeners, I'm sure you can feel her energy through your speakers right now. She is a delight. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and for sharing your struggles with us as well as, well as your victories. And it's nice to know that people can overcome hard things. It gives me hope that I can too as I'm faced with my little challenges. Um, just so you know, I have my vision board posted and I'm going Yay. to be super intentional with it this year. So watch out, world. Yeah. You accomplish some goals. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Thanks again, Christine. Thank you. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. Our team is ready to serve you with top quality automotive repair and maintenance and to do it with a smile. So please come and see us and let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the business leadership moment. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to the business leadership moment. This segment is brought to you by Idaho RiseCon. RiseCon is the East Idaho business conference held every November and their sister event, which is called RiseX, which is a monthly event, which is like masterminding and networking and just some amazing things all together. So check them both out. If you want to learn more about RiseCon, go to IdahoRiseCon.com. And RiseX, you can find more information at RiseX.io. Don't forget that Rise is spelled with a Z. Okay, I was so inspired by Christine's story. And can you believe what that girl has been through? Um, it's amazing that she thinks that there's, it's just fun to see that she's doing vision boards and talking about future when you think about the ways that her mindset were when she was young, um, what she was taught to believe. So one of the things she said was around fear and how fear never served her. Fear never served anyone in the group and how her journey of getting over fear is what has brought her to where her and her husband are now. So I loved it, and I wanted to just touch real quick on that concept of fear. Um, Nelson Mandela, uh, you guys I'm sure know who Nelson Mandela is, a great leader from South Africa um, who ended apartheid. He said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. So I loved that because I think oftentimes we want to believe that, oh, you know, courage is not being afraid and and we just need to overcome those fears and put them aside. 
you know, fear is natural and fear is what motivates a lot of us. We The fear of this future that we don't want to have or whatever the case may be. Uh, and I, one of the things I learned, uh, I follow Darren Hardy. And for those of you who, who don't know who that is, he is, was the publisher or maybe the editor of Success Magazine. And he's, ha- he has several different companies that he's been successful with. He's published several books around business. And the other day he published something around, um, fear and courage. And really all you need to have is about 20 seconds of courage. Uh, they did a study around people who were jumping out of airplanes and measured their heart rate and, and other, um, vital signs as they were going up in the plane. And of course you can imagine blood pressure and pulse and everything was completely elevated as they were going to the jump site, um, all the way up to the point of where they jumped. And then when they jumped, everything leveled out, their vital signs leveled out. So I thought it was an interesting study because really it, it, it is the anticipation. It's this anticipation that we build up in our head. And what he said is you just need about 20 seconds of courage and that's it. 20 seconds of courage. Just get through that thing that you're scared to death at and then and then you you're going like you got to do it. You jump out of an airplane, you can't go back in. And I, your body adjusts and your mind adjusts and 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 we're amazing humans that can do amazing things if we can just get that 20 seconds of courage. So that's my message for you all today. Find your 20 seconds of courage, do the thing that you don't want to do that's scaring you and just realize that a brave man is the one who conquers that fear, takes that 20 seconds of courage and just goes for it. So I'm wishing you all the best. Just go for those things. Overcome your fears this week. Let me know how it goes and we'll definitely see you next time. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair for all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho. Let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.